Blog Talk Radio. Who are the unstoppable ones? Is it just that they can do it and I can't? Who are the unstoppable ones? Is it just that they can do it and I can't? Mission Unstoppable. Mission Unstoppable. The unstoppable ones. You did say unstoppable, right? You did say unstoppable, right? What is it they know that I don't? Coach Frankie Picasso takes you on Mission Unstoppable. Anyone stop these people? Good evening, bienvenue. I am the unstoppable Frankie Picasso, and tonight we are going on another Mission Unstoppable. And our guide is a woman who understands well how to get what she wants out of life. Her recipe is to show up, participate with her whole heart, and finish what she starts. At the tender age of five, Mary McManus was diagnosed with paralytic polio, the result of a polio vaccine. This was the end to her normal childhood. However, with the help of a caring therapist, tons of physio, leg braces and funny shoes, and God, Mary went on to start in her life and graduate with a BS in public relations, a master's in social work, and she became a wife, mother of twins, and a decorated social worker. Forty-some-odd years later, there was a virtual knock on her door, and when she opened it, standing there was her old nemesis. This time, he was incognito. Stay tuned and stay close. All will be revealed shortly. This is the unstoppable Frankie Picasso. If you are listening to us on Tuesday, March the 23rd at 8 p.m., then you have tuned into the live version of the show and are free to participate by calling into the show at 646-595-3741. Also, please join us in the chat room, which a few folks have done. Welcome. And <laughs> if you are listening to the archive, thank you for downloading it. Feel free to contact me if you want more information at frankie at missionunstoppable.com. I'd like to take a moment to thank the good folks here at Blog Talk Radio for allowing me to broadcast over their network, and I'd especially like to thank you, you know who you are, for tuning in each and every week. For 10 long years, Mary McManus suffered with symptoms of fatigue, tremors, weakness, limpness, malaise, difficulty swallowing and breathing with no diagnosis. When life became intolerable, she turned to God and prayed for help. In December 2006, Mary was diagnosed with post-polio syndrome. Today, it's a new world that greets Mary McManus. She's turned her adversity into an advantage, and she's the author of the book, New World Greetings, Inspirational Poetry and Musings for a New World. She's a creator and entrepreneur of New World Greeting Cards. She's a poet at large for blog talk radio shows, It's All About You. She's a co-host for City Enlightenment. And you can also hear her speak her words, her poetry, as a weekly featured guest along with the fabulous ones, the two Darians of Daremore Entertainment. She's also a Boston Marathon finisher, an inspirational speaker, former award-winning social worker who finally thumbed her nose at PPS. Good evening, and please welcome Mary. Good evening, Mary. Welcome. Good evening, Frankie. That was an incredible introduction. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, thank you for being my guest. I mean, it's it's all true. I mean, it's all you. It's all true. And just let me say hi to uh, Kimberly. Thanks for supporting (laughs) and DK Guitarman. Mary, your childhood was not an easy time for you. You, mm-hmm. you told me that uh, your mom was addicted to prescription drugs, your father was an abusive alcoholic, and you yourself you know, contacted paralytic polio at the age of five. Mm-hmm. Who championed you back then? Who looked after Mary? Um, first of all, God. I had a vision of God when I was paralyzed, mm-hmm. and I looked on the ceiling, and wherever I looked, there was this being who, by the way, looked like Neil Donald Walsh, the author of Conversations oh, with God. It was amazing. When I saw his picture on the book, uh, Conversations with God, I sort of gasped because that was the head that I had seen. Isn't that and funny? It was really well, Neil Donald Walsh does kind of look like God. I mean, if you were going to play God, he'd be the guy. <laughs> That would be my choice. Um, yeah. Oh, anyway, that was. But I had this vision of God, Frankie, and I was reeled into. I was at. I was invited to go into this well bucket, and even though I was paralyzed, I was able to step into the well bucket, and I was reeled up to meet this being, and I just knew that no matter what was going to happen to me, that I was going to be okay. And that strength carried me through so much. And my other two champions, the first and foremost one is Miss Holly. 
who was my physical therapist, and she was amazing. She, this was back in the 50s, Frankie, so, you know, people didn't really know about mind-body connection or Mm -hmm. much about attending to sort of the psychological needs of the patient. Well, Miss Holly sure did, and she would read Dr. Seuss to me before every physical therapy session, and then when she was working on me to coax back the muscles and the nerves, she would have me recite back Dr. Seuss to take my mind off of what of the pain. Right. Wow. She was incredible, and I I was with her. I was with her and with the polio doctor, Dr. Eugene Moskowitz, who may he rest in peace. I googled him and and learned that he did pass away, but he was amazing. He was the one of the top rehab men in New York, in Westchester, which is where I was living. And he was amazing. Again, I can, it's so incredible, Frankie, how I can picture their faces right now as we're sitting here as though it were yesterday. So Wow, yeah. Were you, how many children were there that you knew of that, that had contacted polio as a result of the vaccine? Well, you know, I wanted to talk about that because there's a lot of controversy about whether or not it was from the vaccine. I think if it weren't for the vaccine, I might have had a more severe case, but I'm in, the, in my baby book notes, my mother wrote, you know, contact so-and-so about the vaccine. So there's a lot of controversy about it. Um, there was a PBS show on Channel 2 here in the States. Do you get PBS? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Hang on. I'm just losing you in volume-wise. Hang on just one second. Okay. Okay, here we go. That's a little better, I think. Is that better? I think so. <laughs> so there was a lot of controversy about there about whether or not children were getting it from the vaccine. There was actually a whole group of children who they know for sure did. So my brother got the same vaccine as I, and he didn't get it. Mm-hmm. So you sort of, you know, it's it's a question, but. For but me, you know, Mary, can I just stop you there? Because I know that when I my my children were getting the polio, I guess they had came back with the oral polio again. And and there was, you know, talk of that it's possible for the parent to get it, for the kids to get it, um, as they were administering this new vaccine. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, as as I've come to make peace with it is that it, it happened. In- it happened, yeah, it yeah. happened. <laughs> <laughs> However it happened, it happened. It happened. Lame doesn't do anything, does it? You still that? got it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Blame. That's right. That's right. There, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And and actually, you know, that's one of the issues in trying to eradicate polio today, is that there's a lot of fear in the countries that still have polio mm-hmm. about what the vaccine might do to the children. They're afraid it'll sterilize them. So that's a well, all they have to do is look over here. A <laughs> you know, nations, you know, who who have all who have all had polio vaccines. You you wrote a poem uh, to your therapist, or in honor of your therapist. Mm, Reflections for perfect health. Yeah, could you read that for us? Sure. This is dedicated to my therapist, my first therapist post post polio syndrome. And it's called Reflections for Perfect Health to Allison Lamar. To arms that once were aching, now so great and strong. To hug and wrapped round loved ones right where they belong. To legs that were so weakened now hold the body straight. To walk in beautiful sunshine alongside a loving mate. A back once curved and racked with pain now holds the head up high. To see God's glorious painting spread across the sky. All feelings of unwellness now replaced with health. Priceless treasure feeling whole. There is no greater wealth. Wow, and there is no greater wealth in your health, is there? I mean, there really isn't. And until you've experienced, you know, maybe not having it, you don't really know how how dear it is. That's absolutely right. And I... Fortunately or unfortunately, from the age of five, I knew what it was like to not to not have your health, to not be able to trust your body. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I've just recently really overcome. And, and running the marathon was so incredible because I realized that 
I can trust my body. It's okay. And even when it may not be working as I would like it to, I can still trust it. We can still work together. It's not an enemy that needs to be despised and hated. And that was really my downfall, Frankie, in terms of getting the post-polio and getting it as severely as I did, in part was because I absolutely hated my body. I felt that it had betrayed me. And mm-hmm. and also, of course, having an abusive childhood, you don't exactly, it doesn't enamor you to really loving and honoring your body. And I was so blessed to have Dr. Moskowitz, to have Miss Holly, and I, I had a French teacher, Barbara Dupre, and she was amazing. Back then, we didn't have 51As, child abuse laws or anything, but she just really, really kept me going. And when I went off to college, she lived in Manhattan, and she had me meet her. And she gave me a sewing kit as a going-away present. And she told me that no matter what happens in your life, you always have the tools to sew it back together again. Wow, that was great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of losing your voice here. Maybe I hope everybody else isn't. Maybe it's just my phone. But um, I wanted to ask you, you, had a, you, did you ever have, have the iron lung? Did you see, were you in the hospital and saw children in that, in that contraption? Oh, no, I didn't. But I've, I've seen the iron lungs and I've, I knew about them. I was treated at home. I was very blessed. I didn't need to go to the hospital. And the March of Dimes came to the house. They initially brought a physical therapist to the house before I could go outside which was amazing, and I, I've i seen the pictures of the iron lungs and certainly knew about it, and, and it was devastating, absolutely devastating um, that kids had to be in there. Yeah. What was it like for you, though? What did it feel like? What, what Like you talk about, you know, your back and, and, and your neck and, and, and the weakness. So what was it like, or was there a difference between your childhood polio and the post-polio that you, that you have now? Well, the childhood polio, I was completely paralyzed on my left side, okay. and it was much more painful during the acute phase. Mm-hmm. But once I recovered from that, it wasn't painful, except it's hard to explain. The initial, the acute phase of polio is excruciating. Mm-hmm. Um, the pain in the in the spine, the pain in the neck. And they also did a spinal tap at home. Oh, gee. So, mm, and that so <laughs> that yeah, <laughs> that was not fun. So that was pretty excruciating to say the least. Then during the recovery, there wasn't the pain except when I was going through the physical therapy, mm-hmm. and the pain subsided fairly quickly. The the physical pain subsided fairly quickly. The psychological pain, I was in a leg brace, and the leg brace helped tremendously when I was a child, and then again with post-polio. With post-polio, the pain is a different quality. The pain is more of a nagging pain. It's um, Like a toothache? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of burning. Initially, mm-hmm. I had a lot of burning in the muscles and the nerves. Did you think that that maybe you were like getting MS or something? Did you think it was fibro or? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I th- well, I thought it was Parkinson's. Oh, okay. With the tremors, and I also I thought it might have been MS. Of course, I'm working in a medical clinic, right? I'm a medical social worker. Right. So you you name the diagnosis. I had it. I mean, I would find <laughs> patients, Frankie, and I'd say. Do I need to go to the emergency room? Am I having a stroke? Am I having a heart attack? Why am I short of breath? I mean, I'd sit there, and then a patient, I knew I had to see a patient, and you know what would happen? I would put on a smile and forget about it, and then, you know, it would just it would come right back. And then finally, in December of 2006, when I really didn't care whether or not I woke up the next morning, I said, I have to do something, and, and that's when I Googled post-polio and found oh, out that wow. there was a clinic. And so you had heard of it, or were you searching for it? No, I, I had heard of it, and I even asked my doctor, and he told me it didn't exist, which, you know, I was happy with that because yeah. denial was good, and I wasn't yeah. ready to deal with any of this. So, 
Did uh, I mention that, that, that Mary um, had no, <laughs> she, she received a Certificate of Appreciation Award from the Blinded Veterans Association. She was Social Worker of the Year Award, Employee of the Month Award during her tenure at the Boston VA Medical Center. So she's a much decorated medical social worker. <laughs> yes, yes I, was. For you. I was. Thank you, thank you. And I, I know I did a lot of good. And, you know, the thing was, Frankie, I forgot about me. Uh-huh. I had forgotten about me and in the equation and I was raising twins and I was caring for my household and and you know the whole body shut down and said excuse me we need some help here and you know that's when that's when the door finally opened What did up. your family were you know what did your family think were they supportive did they think you know you got you know mom's what they think what did your kids think At first they, everyone was really scared because they weren't used to seeing mom down for the count. Mm-hmm. And I needed a lot of help. And it was hard for me to ask. And it, initially, it was very hard for them to know what was going on. And then they started rallying. And my daughter went with me to all of my appointments. And after we went to see the speech and language pathologist, and she was amazing, and she actually took my daughter's hand and put it, They what they do is they have you eat different textures of food, and mm-hmm. then they, they put their fingers on the side to see where, the, where it's getting stuck. Oh, okay. And so she took my daughter's fingers, and she said, I want you to feel the difference. And when we came home that night, my daughter said, I have an announcement to make. This is serious. Mom's not fooling around here. She really does need a lot of help, and it was it was amazing how they they at Spalding they treated the whole family and they included her and my son was driving me when I had to get trigger injections for the pain in my neck, and I wasn't allowed to drive afterwards. My son drove me to the appointments, and the the two of them used a lot of humor, and my husband was once he got over I think his initial fear and shock with what was happening. He has been such an angel, Frankie. He's the one who told me to start my own company. He's the one who said, look, if you have to leave your job, we'll find a way. And Mm -hmm. for a while he would work two jobs, and he's just been amazing. So they've... They've been phenomenal, and then of course, with the when I came up with the idea to run the Boston Marathon, they were with me every step of the way. So it's been amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know, how did somebody go from from you know tremors and 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 pain and all of that to think, gee, I think I'll run you know a half marathon. <laughs> well, okay, um, you are unstoppable, but you know, where does that come from? Well, I'll tell you. This is I think it's a great tie-in to reading another poem which is called Bliss Machine. And I started writing poetry. And the poetry became a very very powerful form of healing. And it was just amazing how I started imagining my body healing. And this poem is called Miraculous Machine. Great. Eradicating all disease, I use my powerful mind and gently, lovingly guide myself to perfect health, I find. Steady building muscles become now great and strong. When once there was a short left leg, it's now gotten long. While exercising parts of me that had been once diseased, my mind's eye coaxes them along. With you, I am so pleased. For you're a wondrous great machine, joins oiled with great love. All work in perfect tandem, fitting snugly as a glove. The brace I wore upon my leg no longer do I need, and muscle burns, it feels so good. My body, it is freed. The healing, yes, I did a lot, but credit it is due to our marvelous, wondrous creator. Dear God, I say thank you. Wow, Mary, (laughs) that's great. That is just great. And so I harnessed the power of my mind. Mm-hmm. I harnessed my spirit. I I hooked my train to God, and I just my body was completely immobilized. It was difficult for me to get up and down stairs. I was in a leg brace. I was using a cane at times, a wheelchair. And Frankie, for the first time in my life, I really fell in love with me. And I discovered that no matter what shape I was in, 
that I was lovable mm-hmm. and that my body was lovable. And it was absolutely amazing how through the power of self-love, through faith, through visualization, through a lot of hard work and physical therapy, I mean, this is not, you know, this is not as Darian and Darius call it woo-woo. I mean, it, no. was, it was hard work, and you know from your recovery what that's like. And it was very intense, and it was, it was just really, really... You were committed. You didn't try. You committed to doing it. That's right. Yeah, you. I know that you you listened to the show last week that I had, and um, we talked about that neuro, I guess, transmitter in the spine. Do you have anything like that? No, I don't. Um, okay. What I do is I've gone for the trigger injections, mm-hmm. and I my foam roller is my best friend. I have a yoga mat, and I use a foam roller. And I what have, is that? It's a it's a Basically, I guess the best way, it's like styrofoam, Mm -hmm. only it's compressed. And so I have these different exercises that I do with a foam roller, and I roll out, and that's great for pain management. And I I use it the long way, and then I use it so that I'm – it's like a balance beam under me and supports me. And then Mm -hmm. I do these other exercises, and then I have a traction machine. I have a cervical spine traction machine that I use once a day for 10 minutes, along with the heating pad. Oh, okay. And it's a great time to do meditation as well. And first thing in the morning I meditate. During traction I meditate. Anytime during the day when I'm feeling the pain sort of cranking up or whatever, I'll take time out and just sit and just sort of release it and breathe. And sometimes I use ice. That sometimes works on the cervical spine. It just depends what the pain is. Because you mentioned that that it was hard with the running because you ran through winter and the cold is is um, you, you really feel the cold with with the post polio. Yes, yeah, I feel it deep in my deep in my bones, deep in my muscles. Mm-hmm. When I use ice, like topically, it can alleviate the pain, but when it's external cold, like cold air, mm-hmm. it really goes right through me. And I, I, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I had to use my mind and just block it out in combination with getting some really great running gear from our Marathon Sports Store. They outfitted me with layers, and it was amazing, the the support that I received from the community in taking on this endeavor. It did take a village to get us to the finish line. There's no two ways about that. And it was just an incredible... And they're making a documentary about you, so let's talk about that for a second. Yes, it was incredible. I was at, uh, I'm a graduate of Boston University, mm-hmm. and I went to an alumni gathering, and I was standing next to, it was the end of the evening, and I had my little name tag on, and I'm standing next to this person, and he said, oh, Mary McManus, class of 76, New World Greetings, what's that all about? So I told him, and then I did my elevator speech, so to speak, and I said, you know, wouldn't that make a great documentary? And he said, yeah, it would, and I teach documentaries. So I need your information. And he announced it to the class last spring, was there anybody who would like to do this documentary? And one of the students said he jumped all over it. And as it turns out, his father is a polio survivor, Frankie. Oh, wow. And so it, I think it was very healing for him to go through this journey with me as well. And so he's actually over in London for a semester abroad, but when he gets back, we're going to submit it to some film festivals, and he's going to uh, he's got hours and hours of footage, but we did it into a short documentary, so it's about 15 minutes long. And, and you, can see, an you can see Mary on YouTube if you want, Mary McManus. You can um, hear her thoughts and... After, her afterthoughts from the marathon and, and, and some other videos on there. So it's kind of fun. It is. It's Mary Sunshine 100 is my uh, the YouTube user station, or whatever they're called. You um, started New World Greeting Cards, and so you do personal, personalized, customized greeting cards for folks, so for birthdays, for weddings, for anniversaries, for any occasion, really. People can, yes. can purchase a, a poem. Mm-hmm. Yes, and... You know, it's funny. When I write poetry, when I create poetry for my customers of New World Greeting Cards, Frankie, I don't feel any pain. 
Yeah. <laughs> I go to this place, and it's amazing. It's it's you know it's it's like an opiate. It really is. It, it must have something to do with the the receptors of what you know happens when I'm doing that, but. Time stands still. It's so funny. It'll be like I'll, if I'm doing a, a poem for somebody or if I'm writing poetry for City Enlightenment or, you know, whatever I'm doing that's related to poetry, and I look up at the clock and I say, oh, my God, the dishes are still in the sink and, you know, my lunch dishes and everything, and it just it's amazing. And so I love, love doing it. And my customers, I've been so blessed. They've all just enjoyed it so much. And... It's just great, and it's something, you know, people spend a lot of time trying to find the right greeting card, and it's hard. And so what I do is I'm sort of the Cyrano de Bergerac, and people tell me what's in their heart and what they want to say. And um, I also do poems that you can't find in a store right now for same you know, same-sex commitments and things sure. like that. And um, when your pet dies. And what so about I, graphics? Who does that? Yeah, um, what I do is sometimes we will, the person will have a photograph that they want to put on the front. Okay. Uh, sometimes we look together and we figure out, you know, what will be best for gracing the card. One thing that I've just started doing that my customers adore is I've been doing collages. Oh, nice. And so using the words that, um, you know, that I'm using in the card, mm-hmm. I that's a especially fantastic for kids, for kids' birthdays uh, with a baseball theme or whatever kind of theme. But also I did one for someone's daughter for uh, her birthday, and I I used Oprah Magazine, and, you know, she has all these wonderful, luscious things in there, and so Mm -hmm. we used that. And then I also found the words that he wanted to use to describe his – you know, his daughter. And so it was just, it was amazing. So I do that. Sometimes I will go to a store if somebody has a particular request and I'll find a blank card Mm -hmm. or I'll find a card that's in a store and use the cover and put it on the card that we're going to use. So we get very creative. And if somebody really wants to go high end, you know, I know graphic artists in the area. I know calligraphers. So whatever the budget is, I can find whatever kind of vendor somebody would like. Well, I'd like to uh, take a moment to thank Mauricio at poliotoday.org because he reached out to find us an expert on uh, PPS. And um, so thank you, Mauricio, for doing that short, short notice. And our guest is here. So let me welcome Dr. Sheehan to the show. I'm just going to bring him on here. And Dr. Sheehan is the Director of the Neuromuscular Division in the Department of Neurosciences at the University of California at San Diego. He attended medical school and completed his training in internal medicine and neurology in Australia. And he did further training in neurophysiology in London and worked there for several years before joining UCSD. His specialty is in the diagnosis and management of diseases of the nerves and muscles, including post-polio syndrome and Lou Gehrig's disease, among others. And he's published many papers in his field, and he frequently lectures nationally and internationally. So let's let's, uh, welcome Dr. Sheehan. Welcome to the show, Mission Unstoppable. How are you doing this evening? Dr. Sheehan, are you there? I think he's there. Hello. Well, you might have to refresh here. Let me see if I have to refresh because he should be on here. Do I have you, Mary? Yeah, you have me. I still have you. Yes, you have me. I should have him there because I put him on air. Let's try again. Hello, 267? Maybe it's not him. Area code 267? Hello? Yes, I apologize. I had a question for Mary. It's L. Kimberly in the chat room. Oh, Okay. Go ahead, have your question. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, Hi, Mary. Hi, Kim. There's there's so many layers to your story, and I just wanted to ask you really quickly, with going through what you did with the issues with your body from being so young and then going through it again, you know, as women, even when we're not having any health challenges, it's tough for us to love our bodies. And I was just interested in knowing what your relationship with your body is 
now today? Mm, that's a great question, Kim. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I I just think it's the coolest thing. It is really the temple that holds my spirit, and I listen to it. I've learned to listen to it. And so when I'm tired, I take a nap, and when I'm hungry, I feed it and, you know, make sure I give it what it needs to run well. And it's just, it's, it's a joy. It's an absolute joy. And even after the marathon, when I went through being treated again for cervical spine disease and just had a lot of fatigue and whatnot, I still stayed focused on loving it and backed off from a lot of physical exercise and just said, okay, this is where I am right now. And when I wasn't exercising as much, I had put on a few pounds, and I said, you know what, that's okay, that's fine, that's to be expected, the body's adjusting. And then once I was able to start getting back into my physical exercise again and now have a program that's really good, that doesn't tax it too much, but is keeping me nice and healthy and fit, it's really nice. And I guess the best way I could describe it, Kim, and, and for all of anyone who's listening is, I've gone from feeling like my body is an enemy to feeling that we work in tandem. We cooperate. And I realize that it's just it's we have to get along and uh, and really work in harmony together. And so that would be the best way to describe it, that I, I went from it being my enemy to my lover to my best friend and um, we go through life together, and so we're we're a really good partnership now. That's a great question, and I do see Dr. Sheehan here now. <laughs> I apologize, Kimberly, for for introducing him for as you, but um, thank you oh, for that question. It's a good you. one, and thank it's you. one that comes up a lot, you know, because your body's not only your big multi bio processor, but it, you know, oftentimes I like to just say it's the car that we get to drive while we're here, and unfortunately we can't change that car, but all we can do is look after it. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it lasts us for exactly. as long as we're here. Thank you both. You both Thank unstoppable. You. Thank you. <laughs> she is unstoppable for sure. Okay, now we'll bring on Dr. Sheehan because I can see, I recognize that area code. Good evening, Dr. Sheehan, and thank you for joining us. Oh, good evening. Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm happy I, to I did already introduce you a moment ago, but it was the wrong person. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> so I'm not going to do it again, although, um, you know, I will say that uh, we are very happy to have you here. He Again, Dr. Sheen is the Director of the Neuromuscular Division in the Department of Neurosciences at the University of California at San Diego. Um, so, Dr. Sheen, thank you again for joining us this evening. PPS, um, or post-polio syndrome, is often mistaken for other neurogenerative conditions. Is that correct? Yes, that's true. Uh, there are many other conditions to be considered uh, when somebody presents post-polio syndrome, uh, and uh, these need to be excluded before you can conclude that post-polio syndrome is the cause of the symptom. Now, can only people who had polio get post-polio syndrome? Yes, that's right. Um, by definition, it's something which occurs after a documented episode of polio. There are other conditions which can resemble the sorts of things that post-polio sufferers endure, um, but without that fairly certain history of polio in the past, uh, the diagnosis cannot be made. So, it, it, does it go? Would you say it goes into remission, or, or it's like a, it's like herpes virus, where it just sits there dormant, waiting to a moment to wake up and attack you again? Well, that's a very good question because um, the actual mechanism of post-polio syndrome is really not fully defined. I'm not sure how much you've spoken about it already on the show. We really haven't spoken about the disease itself, just, just the manifestation of, of Mary's own post-polio. Okay. Well, most of the listeners might be aware that polio is a condition caused by the polio virus in mm -hmm. which people are struck down and, and uh, paralyzed to varying extents. And so it is definitely a viral infection in the beginning. Uh, but if that's, as if that's not bad enough, some many years later, at least 15 and on average about 30 years later, uh, these patients who have survived the polio and done reasonably well being stable for this period of time start to develop new symptoms or increasing weakness or fatigue or muscle pain or wasting of muscles. Um, and 
this starts to cause uh, you know, increasing disability. And the, the theories behind how this might occur do include reactivation of the virus, although that's not yet been proven. Another possibility is that there's another virus which uh, is attacking, and there's yet no evidence of that. A third possibility is there's some kind of inflammation going on, and there's reasonably good evidence to suggest that some inflammation does occur in many patients with post-polio, and it's possible that this inflammation is actually damaging nerve cells again. And then finally, there's the possibility that the remaining nerve cells, which have had to bear the burden of, of, of the um, work over all these years, are just simply wearing out faster than expected. And, uh, but still, really, it's not entirely clear what's happening here. So certainly reactivation, like herpes, is a possibility, but there's not yet good evidence of that. Well, let me introduce you to Mary McManus, who um, had polio as a young girl. She was five years old when she had paralytic polio. And I think, Mary, you were late 40s when you got it again, the PPS? Yeah, the initial onset. That's the right. The initial onset. And, yep. and um, tell Dr. Sheehan what your symptoms were. And, and I just want to say that Mary last year finished the Boston Marathon, so it is possible. <laughs> <laughs> well done. It is possible to, to come back from it and be a survivor. Go ahead, Mary. That's right. Well, I, it started out with weakness, fatigue, uh, the limp came back, and it was it was more of a sense of just this general malaise, mm-hmm. and it was attributed to menopause. It was attributed to psychiatric disorder. It was attributed to anything but post-polio. And then as the symptoms progressed, swallowing and breathing became involved for me. And oh. uh, they what they thought was that not only did I have the paralytic polio, but something called bulbar, Frankie, which is... Uh, you can actually have two kinds of polio, paralytic and bulbar, affects the breathing, the swallowing functions. So they think that I must have had that as well because it came back and affected that. And I just felt it was, I think what they call it is sort of central nervous system fatigue. It's just, it's not like you're tired, but it's like, you just last week's guest who was talking about RDS or R mm-hmm. um, said it's like it's almost like a narcolepsy kind of thing where you you just want to stop whatever you're doing and you just want to go to sleep. It's just this total body fatigue. So that's what was happening and tremors. Um, also, uh, fine tremors of the hand and head tremors uh, as well. So that all of that was involved for me, Dr. Sheehan. Right. Uh, Mary, good to meet you, and I'm um, pleased that you managed to recover enough to run a Boston Marathon. That's excellent. Um, Well, what you're describing there is fairly typical uh, symptoms. You had the polio at the age of five, and then uh, it sounds like perhaps some 35 to 40 years later, um, something new started developing. Um, And it's also unfortunately common that your symptoms were attributed to other things, and I think this is one of the frustrating aspects of this for post-polio sufferers is the um, general lack of knowledge, I think, about the syndrome among the medical community, or at least that's not the first thing that they, that they think of. Um, so I think the diagnosis often goes unmade for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. Let me just interrupt you for a second, if I could, because Mary, would you would Mary have been in like the the second, the first, or the second wave of of polio? Um, I guess maybe the second, because you, what year were you born, Mary? 1953. 1953. Oh, I, I had it in 1959. Okay, oh, well. so I guess what I'm what, I guess the question where I'm trying to get to is, is it new? Is it still new that polio survivors don't know about this yet? That the doctors don't know that these that these folks. Fifty percent, I think, might contact, might contract this. Is that correct? Well, the estimates of um, the percentage of patients who might get this it actually varies quite widely between about twenty and eighty percent. But many countries that have been surveyed are sort of hovering around the fifty to sixty percent. Um, but it has been my experience actually that polio sufferers do not all know about the post-polio syndrome either. Um, so, and it often comes as a surprise to them, but many that I see are very well aware of it and are coming to see me because they've not been able to have anyone take 
that diagnosis seriously and, and evaluate them for that. And so Frank, there's no – I'm sorry, go ahead, Mary. No, I just want to put a plug in here. If there are polio survivors out there and you don't know about this incredible resource online, it's www.poliotoday.org. And it is a, a social community, social website community, and anybody who's been touched by polio, we have Mary Jane Salk on there, who's the sister-in-law of Jonas Salk, uh, and from the Salk Institute, it's, it was developed by the Salk Institute to help polio survivors have a place where they can share, where they can get information, where they can get support, and where you know you're not going crazy, and also where you know that it's not the end of your life, that there's so much help out there. There's so much in terms of making life comfortable, in terms of braces, in terms of prosthetics, in terms of yoga, Pilates. I mean, we talk about all these things, the holistic, and I'm so grateful to the Salk Institute for creating that community. I've met some wonderful, wonderful people on it, and Mauricio, who led us to you, Dr. Sheehan, uh, is the webmaster. So I just want to let people know that it's a great, great resource. And also Mia Farrow, the actress, uh -huh. she, in the 90s, did what's called the Polio Health Letter and asked every person to bring it to their general practitioner, whether or not they had polio, so that doctors know post-polio does exist. Wow. So, Dr. Sheehan, what, what would your diagnosis be to folks who, who come to you? Um, Mary, would you say that you got better? I mean, you got better in, in terms of being able to be more active and, and have more control over your body. But do you expect it to, to stay back where it is, or do you expect it to come hit you again? You know, Frankie, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. And the way that I deal with that is that I focus on the positive. Mm -hmm. I do everything within my power to keep myself as healthy and fit as I can. I know that stress will exacerbate the symptoms. I have good days. I have great days. And then I have some days that I'm like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. um, and you just sort of take each one. And one of the things that I've been able to do is we don't have control over our external circumstances, but I do have control over my thoughts and how I want to choose my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so I really want to choose my thoughts to say, first of all, I know after everything I've been through in life, no matter what life throws me, I'm going to be unstoppable. Mm -hmm. So whatever happens, um, after I ran the marathon, I went back in my leg brace. There are some days I need the leg brace. And there are some days I feel like I could run another marathon. So it's a very fluctuating course. And so I don't know. Uh, it's by diagnosis. And Dr. Sheehan, what they told me was that it, it, it is classified as a progressive neurological disease. But there are definitely things you can do. And one of the biggest things I had to do was become a recovering type A personality. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, it's an unfortunate trait of people with post-polio syndrome. <laughs> What's the oldest patient you've seen with post-polio, Dr. Sheehan? The oldest patient? Mm -hmm. uh, the oldest patient, actually, was probably someone in their 60s, uh, I think, um, at onset. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, in the 60s. So... Uh, that's actually a very long time because, you know, as you know, this polio generally occurs in, most often in young children. So that was a very long time between the onset of the polio and, the, and then the post-polio syndrome. But I think what Mary says is absolutely correct is that there are many things that you can do, many of them physical, uh, that can actually improve and, and which have been studied in post-polio patients and found to improve things like strength and stamina and um, muscle pain and this, this type of thing, and fatigue particularly, which is a major component of the uh, disorder. So it, it's not as though you just have to have a diagnosis and just go away and live with it, getting mm -hmm. progressively worse, um, as it is thought to be. But I don't really think, actually, there are sufficient longitudinal studies of post-polio patients to know uh, exactly what the what course is to be expected. But we do know that you can make some substantial improvements uh, with uh, simple, uh, essentially what amounts to simple exercise. Have you seen anybody go into remission as they did with their polio? Well, um, I guess 
the the short answer to that is probably not for a sustained time. Um, okay. In other words, uh, for several years, you know, five or more years, it seems possible to uh, keep things pretty steady uh, or even improve for a while. But um, I don't think I've seen anything, anyone with a more sustained remission. In other words, thinking that this is not actually progressive. It does seem in most patients that I've seen that eventually some slow deterioration does does resume. Um, but, you know, uh, you really need to study larger numbers of people in order to be able to sure. get a clearer picture. Sure. Is there is there any um, medication that that patients can take to as far as the neurological aspects go? Well, the, several medications have been tested, and um, unfortunately, the clinical trials have generally been um, negative, which is to say that they haven't actually produced um, improvements, or at least significant, statistically significant improvements. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there has been recent interest in the uh, inflammatory aspects of this condition. When the spinal fluid is studied in patients with this syndrome, there's evidence that uh, some type of inflammation is going on, and studies have looked at uh, an infusion of gamma globulin called IVIG, uh, which is used for lots of different things, but for largely for suppressing immune system attacks on various parts of the body. And the... There's mixed results, but one large study suggested that there was actually some favorable improvement in uh, some of the muscular aspects of of the syndrome. So that's an infusion treatment. That's not a pill that you can take every day. Mm -hmm. Um, So as yet, there's not any um, common-day medication that can be used to improve the condition. Now, there are other medications which might help fatigue, for example, Provigil Mm -hmm. or Nuvigil, uh, for example, can help some of the fatigue that patients have. But as far as being, uh, and coenzyme Q has been studied, unfortunately, as many of the listeners might be aware of this enzyme that uh, is often used for various uh, disorders and um, unfortunately not shown to be beneficial. So I think it's fair to say that there's really no actual medication at the moment which we think causes a substantial improvement in the condition. So really it all at present rests upon uh, all these physical measures, and uh, as well as you know, getting enough rest and sleep, and eating well, and having a positive mental attitude like Mary has, and 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 the, uh, the psychological aspects as well. And Mary, did did you know all that? I guess you did. <laughs> You're pretty familiar. <laughs> I've been with learning. You. I've been learning. Yes, yes. But you know what? There may be a lot of people out there, Frankie, who don't, and so it's mm-hmm. fantastic. And and the other thing is is that even if you know something and you hear it once, it's always wonderful to hear it over and over again because mm-hmm. it just reinforces it, and so that's that's fantastic. And, you know, something else that I have had to learn is it's a very simple two-letter word, and it's called no. <laughs> and it's being able to say no and saying yes to myself. And one of the poems that uh, Frankie really enjoyed in my book is called Choose Love, and it's very short, and I'm going to share it with you now. No longer can I rescue and sacrifice my soul. It's been a long time coming, this feeling being whole. When love is overflowing and it's yes I want to say, my body lets me know, my choice, it is okay. If I've chosen out of fear the way things used to be, an ache, a pain does manifest, a loving reminder to me. Very nice. Oh, yeah, it's very nice. Mary's um, written a, a, a couple books now on uh, inspirational poetry, and you have a, a, another one that's just set sail for a new world, healing a life that's, through the gift. That'll be out this year, poetry. and then I'm yep, and I'm working on my third book, which is City Enlightenment, which is all about enlightenment in the city. And I, Dr. Sheen, I don't know if you heard this or not, but I was telling Frankie and telling the listeners that when I write poetry, my pain goes away. I'm just in this wonderful space, this wonderful place, and mm-hmm. it's the best—it's the best pain med I know. And I—I I just feel so blessed that I—I I discovered this uh, shortly after I was diagnosed with post polio. Oh yes, it's certainly a gift to be able to use mental distraction or, or psychological measures to overcome pain and fatigue potentially too. 
So that's you're very lucky. Um, do you have any tips for the listeners on how they might discover their own um, method? Well, see what you know. Is it music? Is it art? Is it painting? Is it writing? Is it journaling? Is it crosswords or anything? Doing puzzles. I, I was the same as you, Mary. Um, when when I would tell patients to go and um, do something very distracting, like you know, just just arts and crafts. Sometimes just takes you away. Mm-hmm. You're so distracted by it that that you don't that you forget to take your medication or you forget to you know remember that you have pain until you come out of it. So yeah, it's, it's a great puzzles, therapy. Those, yep, anything, anything that you know, anything that works. And um, there's also you know there's so many wonderful online resources now. And um, one of my friends, Ricky Powell, is he's going to be launching a website in April, and it's called Lifelong Happiness. And we've uploaded all these wonderful videos, and he's got pictures on there of babies. And, you know, it's it's wonderful. And, you know, you can go to YouTube. And today with the, with the rain and the cold here in New England, I watched Gene Kelly singing in the rain. And, you know, I, there's just there's so many wonderful resources. Listen to music, anything that takes you away. Prayer. <laughs> You know, whatever, uh, whatever does it. And you have a poem in your book, Mary, um, about how, and you don't have to read it, or you could, but let's talk about the idea that you said that polio was a gift, and I'm sure that a lot of people will look at you and go, are you crazy? That's a great <laughs> gift. <laughs> I don't want it. You keep it. <laughs> Why is it a gift? Well, the first reason it's a gift is that I learned at the age of five how to overcome adversity. And I was very blessed to have the physical therapist and the doctor that I did. And also, my life wouldn't be the way it is today if I wouldn't have received that gift. It also brought me close to God. Mm-hmm. And I, I was touched by grace through having paralytic polio. So I, wouldn't, I don't know if I would have known God that early and known grace. But it did give me the ability to be unstoppable. When mm-hmm. you're paralyzed and you can't walk and you have to learn how, well, you know this, Frankie, you had to learn how to walk all over again as well. And to, to have to do that at age five, it just gave me a strength to carry me through. So it really is a gift and, and a blessing. And Well, you had to be I, tough. You had to be real tough. And, you know, Dr. Sheen, when, when, as you probably know, when kids are wearing braces and funny shoes and they look different, children can be terribly cruel. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah, that's a, that's a very cruel, I think. And that's amazing that you managed to overcome all of that, Mary. And maybe, I suppose, it might be something that kind of leads to that type A personality you were talking about, that sort of determination and going to try and do as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, mentally, educational-wise, like you, you, you know, you sh- you shined. But for somebody who sat on the sidelines and watched everyone else do sports, for you to be fifty, you know, two years old and do a Boston Marathon, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's extraordinary. <laughs> it it is, and you know, I'm, I'm and finished. Now that I, I finished, that's right. Finished. And I'm doing things now that I've I've never done before. I do, and I I did this under the guidance of a a personal trainer and then a physical therapist who tweaked what the personal trainer was telling me because the personal trainer didn't have my MRI to see the cervical spine disease. But I now I'm doing strength training, and I don't lift anything over three pounds, and Mm -hmm. she showed me how to do them so that they're strengthening and not damaging. And I do it all at home. I have a Pilates ball, a yoga mat, some free weights. I have a recumbent bike, and I have a heart monitor, and... It's amazing. I, I mean, I never did any of this, and now I'm doing things that I never knew my body was capable of doing, and it feels good. When I wake up in the morning, my body is saying, you just stay right here, honey. You don't need to do anything, and, you know, I'm stiff, I'm sore. Sure. And then as the day starts and I start moving, I have a wonderful stretching routine that I do two to three times a day, and... The other thing is I quit my full-time job, and Mm -hmm. I had to because the rehab team was showing me that the more that you stay at work, the less you're being able to maximize your your rehab goals. And Mm -hmm. that's one of the biggest issues for post-polio patients is that so many of us have had these incredible careers, 
and Mary was in social work. Dr. Sheen didn't get to listen to the show. Mary was a social worker for a decorated social worker for 19 years in a medical facility. Oh, I see. Well, that's hard to give up after all that time. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I think she's going to be your poster child now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was just listening to your description of your exercise regimen, thinking you really ought to write a book on this um, about your exercises. But, but you're doing all the right things. I think that supervised exercise, supervised exercises is key because I think you know type A post-polio survivors are somewhat their worst enemy potentially they could overdo it there's theories about that actually maybe harming so supervised and uh, doing small loads uh, frequent rests uh, not prolonged repetitions this kind of thing so uh, I'm glad you have a physical therapist who's overseeing some of this for you I think that's uh, that is critical Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And now, is it difficult to find somebody to oversee, you know, patients who want to exercise? I know I had a really incredible time trying to find somebody for for my. I don't have PPS, but you know, for for my conditions, it was almost impossible. You know, to work with people who who worked with people who have you know broken so much, or or so is it hard? Does it does it have to be a physical therapist? Because that, well, that cost money? That must cost money, yeah, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, it does yeah. cost money, which is why your physical therapist, uh, Mary, and you should get together and write a book on the subject um, to help people and throw a, a video in as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it is actually difficult because um, a lot of physical therapists in rehab are really dealing with different things, you know, um, knee replacements, hip replacements, um, mm-hmm. perhaps um, brain injury recovery or something of this sort. But something like post-polio syndrome is, is uncommon, and you're not likely to find many physical therapists you know, who really understand the condition and what is required. Uh, so I, I would imagine it would have been somewhat hard for you to come across someone who, who was at least familiar or even willing to, to learn about it. Well, I was so blessed because we have the Spalding Rehab Post-Polio Clinic, which is a half hour from my house, and there are, through post-polio health, org there is a whole listing that they have of post polio clinics um that doesn't speak to what you need frankie and we can no i know no and and i'm not you know, even thinking about my condition i'm uh, really glad that in terms of yeah in terms of how do you find somebody and even i mean on the post polio on poliotoday.org people are talking about you know i can't find a good gp i can't find a good neurologist and that's why we, we need to put together these resources. And, and one of my visions is is that I really do want to write the protocol. I want to help the medical community write the protocol for treating PPS because I what I'm doing works. And I know running a marathon is not part of the protocol, and I wouldn't recommend it. That was, <laughs> I, I, that was my purpose, and I really feel God called me to do that so that I can be a spokesperson so that I can bring attention and awareness because when you've done something spectacular like that, the news Mm -hmm. wants it. But if you're just here, you know, before I ran the Boston Marathon, I thought my story was pretty spectacular anyway, that I had quit. I got a book published. I started my own business with post-polio. I had healed my life. But they didn't want that until Mm -hmm. I ran the Boston Marathon, and now I'm on WBZ Talk Radio this year. A lot of the news stations are picking up my story, and Mm -hmm. so I can become a spokesperson, and I I go to Rotary Clubs, um, which has got the M Polio Now campaign. Oh, let me just stop you very quickly because we are about to run out of time. You said the March of Dimes helped you as a child. Do they help adults? Not now. Not now. Not now, but... um, Rotary Club is working to end polio now, and I, I'm also encouraging them, in addition to doing end polio now, is to find out how they can help the post-polio patients. Um, I know that the Salk Institute is really passionate about helping polio survivors, and uh, they have wonderful, wonderful resources. So, again, poliotoday.org and the Salk Institute are really Dr. Working. Sheen, in your area, um, where, where can folks in the San Diego area? Yes. Uh, where can, sorry, what was the question? Where can folks go to look for post-polio help there? Well, um, unfortunately, I think I might be the only person in San Diego um, who uh, has any sort of interest in, in the condition. Oh, my gosh. Um, which I think is probably not that unusual outside of the um, 
the post-polio centers that Mary was talking about. Wow. Um, I'm going to have to stop you. Thank you so much, Dr. Sheen, for being our guest. Mary McManus, go and, go and check her out because she's unbelievable. This has been Mission Unstoppable Radio. It, we always run out of time because it's such a great show. Thank, Thank you all so much. Thank you, Frankie. Thank Take you, Take care. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye-bye.